Well, we are in a, uh, a series uh, now for the next few weeks on Advent and looking at Advent, and uh, we're calling it the Advent Creed. And he, here's the deal. Here's what happens. Here's when creeds come up. The Apostles' Creed, Nicene Creed. You have these creeds that pop up when there is there's confusion. And essentially, some of the early uh, church uh, fathers and mothers and, and, and leaders of the church, when, when there was disputes that came up, when there was a, a challenge that would come up on, on what this is really about, and, and some of what came up is that, well, was, was Christ really human? Maybe he was a phantom. Maybe, maybe, Je- maybe this Jesus wasn't, you know, he was a, because God couldn't possibly be human. Or, or, or maybe, you know, he wasn't actually, there wasn't, there wasn't divinity. He was just a, he was just a guy. You have these times where it's important to remember to, to sit down and to say, no, this is what this is about. Well, certainly when we come into Christmas, this, this Advent season, there's often a lot of confusion. There's a, there's a lot of opinions out there on what it's about and what it should be about. And some of them are, seem kind of ridiculous and some of them seem, you know, a little, you know, a little more benign, but just kind of nice. But, but there is something around Advent and Christmas that is actually revolutionary. That is important for us to grab a hold on. It's not just kind of a nice time to get presents. There's something significant that happened. Unique that happened, and that, that is what Christians believe. So for us, the hope is that as we look over these next few weeks, and then as we actually take our worship outside, that what we would do is we would have a sense of what do we, what can we affirm? And my hope is this, that perhaps even as we have conversation with folks in our neighborhoods where we, where we live, where we work, People maybe begin to, you know, kind of talk about, well, this is what Christmas is, and maybe it's good, and maybe it's not, and maybe it's, you know, a difficult time, maybe it's a joyful time, that maybe perhaps what we can do is we can reflect over the next couple of weeks to say, no, this is what I want to affirm, this is what I would say, you know, you can have your opinion, but this is what I would want to affirm Advent is all about, and we're going to look at these four topics over the next couple of weeks. Well, it is my great uh, pleasure and privilege to uh, step out uh, tonight because you need to hear from Amber, Evan- um, Amber Evanson. Amber has been, if you don't know, Amber is the ministry coordinator here. She has uh, been with us right really from the beginning since I started here, and she has been a huge blessing to me. She is uh, wise and insightful, and I'll just build her up higher and higher. and be great. <laughs> Who is this Wonder Woman? But she is. She is amazing. She has a great word for you tonight. So will you please welcome her up as she comes to share with us? That was a lot of good stuff to say about me. I don't know if I'm that great, but I try. <laughs> so, so tonight we're going to be looking at the first theme of, of our Advent series of, of prosperity. And um, to start out, I was I was talking with a friend earlier today, and I was like, okay, I've got my talk done, I'm ready, but I just don't really know how to start it. Like, I don't know, I don't know what I should talk about. Wanted to throw in a funny Thanksgiving story, but I don't really have any. <laughs> and so, she she actually gave me an excellent suggestion. She she told me she was she reminded me about an experience that we had last April when we went to New Orleans. And um, as some of you know, we went to New Orleans. Um, a group of us from Convergence went down there to help to rebuild houses and, and do some hurricane relief after Hurricane Katrina. And we're going to be doing that again in May, so I encourage you to come. It'll be a good time. Uh, but what we, what we went down there for was to work on these houses, and we had Monday to Thursday to work on this house. We were, we were in two different groups. We were at two different houses. And in both houses, we were doing similar jobs. We were doing kind of finishing touches. We were putting on, like, last-minute plaster, some tiles, putting up lines, painting a little bit, all this stuff. And at the beginning of the week, they gave us this big, long list of stuff 
that they would like us to do. They said, you know, get done what you can, but don't worry if you don't finish it off. And so, you know, we, of course, were like, we can finish this. We have this big list. We're, we're young. We can do it. So, so we, like, went at it. And so we had Monday and Tuesday, and we were working hard. Things weren't getting done quite as fast as we wanted them to, but we were, we're working. And then um, Wednesday came along, and in the morning, they told us, they're like, okay, this is not obligatory. You can come if you want, but this afternoon, we're going to be having a dedication, a home dedication for one of the houses that's finished. And we would love for you to join us and to, to celebrate with the family that's that's moving in and to just celebrate the accomplishments that that this signifies. And so we kind of went back and forth because we had a day and a half left with that with that afternoon. We had all of Thursday and, and Wednesday afternoon to finish this big list of things that we wanted to do that we felt kind of obligated to do, even though they said it wasn't a big deal if we didn't finish them all. And so... We, we ended up going to the home dedication, and it was probably the highlight of my trip. Uh, we, we got there, and it was this, this home of this woman who had lost everything in the flooding that followed the hurricane. And uh, we, got, we got there a little early. We got to hang out with other people that were there, different longer-term volunteers and people that worked with uh, the Presbyterian Disaster Assistance and, and the Presbyterian South Louisiana and their different projects that they do to, to help the rebuilding there. And, and throughout the whole time that we were there, it, it kind of reminded me that there was so much to be thankful for, that to hear this woman's story about what had happened during the flood and, and the hurricane and, and everything after that and her walking alongside different volunteers, hundreds of volunteers who had come to her house during, during the course of a little bit over a year that took to rebuild her house and, and her getting to meet them. And they came from all over the states and just the, the way that she was so grateful and, and humble in that was amazing. And I think in that it reminded me and I think everybody else on the team of why we were really there. It kind of gave us a, a, a refocusing of our, of our purpose there and, and what we were there for and, and her gratitude and the humility in which she, she just said thank you to us who didn't even work on her house um, was amazing and it really touched us. And I think that that is a good example for us during this time of the holidays where it's super busy and we get stressed out and we have a lot of things to do and a lot of stuff to think about, but, but it's really a time that we should spend uh, reflecting and, and giving thanks to God for the gifts that he's given us and, and to kind of look at the bigger picture of what, of what it's all about. So before we get into the meat of all this, I would love it if you'd pray with me. Father God, I thank you for each person in this room and the ways that you are working and the ways that you are showing up in their lives. Lord, I pray that tonight we would we would have the opportunity to reflect on who you are and what you're doing for us and, and the ways that we can thankfully um, give back to you. Lord, I pray that um, you would open our hearts and our ears and, and our lives to your love, that we would uh, show that love to one another and reflect it to those outside of these doors. Lord, we pray all of this and so much more in your name. Amen. So, you know, the Advent season, this, this time, uh, it's kind of Thanksgiving to Christmas is Advent. And it's, it's, the, it's actually, John said it was early this year, but it's Advent's early. We're not starting it early. The first Sunday of Advent is this Sunday. Um, so uh, it's just a little bit early this year because Christmas kind of falls that way. So um, Advent is actually the four Sundays that lead up to Christmas. And it's traditionally within the church a time of expectation and, and anticipation. And 
uh, it's a time that, that we get to remember the incarnation of Jesus and also expectantly anticipate his return. Uh, it's a time that we get to rejoice and give thanks for Jesus' birth and, and, uh, and to stop and reflect about what that means for us as individuals, but also what it means for us as humanity, as God's people and, and those of us who are reaching out as well. Um, this is a season traditionally of reflection and of hope. It's a season for us to pause and take a, a little time to reflect a bit amidst a busy schedule and a, and a super busy time of year. And it's time for us to give thanks. But, um, you know, as great as that sounds to me, that's not really my reality a lot of the times. Um, and I think for a lot of us, maybe even most of us, it's not our reality. Um, <laughs> The holiday, the Thanksgiving holiday, this Thursday, kind of marks the beginning of a super busy season where we have all kinds of obligations, social obligations, financial obligations, and a lot of stress that comes with that. You know, it's a time of year that is supposed to bring hope and joy, and yet sometimes, more often than not, it kind of brings out the worst in people's personalities and and the worst in ourselves. Um, A lot of times our expectations aren't met Our hopes are dashed, and our joy turns into disappointment and cynicism. Uh, You know, Christmas comes and goes, and then the new year comes, and and it just reminds us of all the things that we haven't accomplished and all of the things that we wish we had and didn't and all of the things that we wish we had done. And it kind of sucks. (laughs) So... um, (laughs) But, but I don't think that that's, you know, that sounds pretty pessimistic, that sounds pretty cynical, but it's also not the last word. I think that in that, uh, there's hope. There's hope in this season, uh, and that amidst all of the cynicism and pessimism and stress and, and busyness, there is the reality that we were created for something more. Uh, we're created not for the bondage of stress and worry, but for a freedom that we can't even fathom until we let go. Until we let go and let Jesus take over. Uh, and this is the freedom that Jesus offers us. Um, it's the freedom to lay our cares aside and to rest, to, to truly rest in him. Um, like I said, this season is full of worries and stress and anxiety that surround, you know, the holidays. It's, it could be pressure from family, uh, an overloaded schedule, loneliness, financial uncertainty, especially right now, financial uncertainty, like, Uncertainty in your jobs or just having a job that you hate because, but you have to stay there because there's not really any other jobs. And, you know, there's, there's so many different things that, that tear us and they, they kind of pull us in different directions and we end up being kind of ruled by our desires, uh, our desires for things to be different. And at the core of all of this, all of this business, the stress, this anxiety is, seems to be a lack of a focus. Um, when we, when we become entangled by our desires and, and um, distracted by our anxieties, we lose our focus. We lose sight of Jesus. And when I worry, when I worry about pretty much anything, I'm not trusting God. I'm trusting myself. I'm trying to take control. And, and that takes my focus off, off of Jesus, off of God, and onto myself. So tonight we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6, verse 23, or 25 to 34. So if you've got your Bibles, I encourage you to read along, mark them up. If you don't have your Bibles, I encourage you to bring them next time. And if you don't have one, we have Bibles um, that you can have. So just talk to me or Thad or John. We've got some downstairs that you can have if you want one. So let's take a look at this. It's, it's also up on the screen. 
Uh, it's Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 34. And it says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If this is how, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, when we really think about it, um, we live in a country of unparalleled prosperity. We have so much. The opportunities that are available to us just based on where we live, the geographical location of where we were born or happened to have moved with our families, is Amazing. It's, it's mind blowing. Like we have so much more than even just people at, on, in other parts of, of the world. Uh, and, and in this we have a lot of blessings and not the least of which is the good news of God's gift in Jesus. Um, and, and that's nothing to diminish, but yet within all of these blessings that we have in this, this, this huge amount of prosperity, um, there, there's also seems to be a feeling of fragmentation, this feeling of brokenness that we have. Um, a lot of times we have such a, a deep need for security that we form, we form attachments to things and, to, and form ideas of what we want our life to look like. We don't have what a lot of people call the divine center. We've, our, lives aren't, aren't, our lives aren't focused on God, and therefore we are reduced to the realms of uh, emotions, possessions, and desires. We, we, we get reduced to, to less than what we really are. And yet Jesus tells us not to worry. Uh, in verse 26, he tells us to look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? In this, Jesus is reminding us of the bigger picture. He's saying, he's reminding us that, that our lives are precious, that we've been created for him and, and in him, and that, that he will provide for all that we need. And so, you know, in this we can say it's one thing to understand that God loves us and that, that he'll, and to say that we trust that, we, that he'll provide for us. And yet, um, what does this actually look like in, in real life? What does this look like to, as we strive to live in, in God's grace? What does it look like to live simply in a complex world? And, and what does it mean to trust God in this? So one of the first things as we look at, as we look at this passage and, and talk about prosperity and simplicity is, we need to look at what Jesus says about finances. Um, and it's not an accident that the preceding verses to, to this little section that we read just now, uh, chapter 6, verse 19 to 24, they're all about money. This is the section of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, where your, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And, and that is followed directly with do not worry. And so I think 
uh, you know, here and throughout the Old Testament and all the way through the Gospels and beyond in the New Testament, the Bible points out the connection between the inner slavery that comes when you have an unhealthy attachment to wealth. And uh, it seems that in, in this succession that, that the core or the root of the, of the money question at the, at, the, at the center of that is the anxiety question. And so for us to live a life of freedom, we need to not look not only at uh, what that means, but we also need to look at a life free from love of money. And in the same vein, the writer of Hebrews says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. <coughs> it's important to note in all of this that while God says that we are su- supposed to forsake a love of money and, and to follow him, at the same time, he doesn't necessarily intend for us to go without adequate or appropriate material provision or possessions. Um, it's also not his goal for us to abandon concern or, or worry for others, concern about what others will eat and what others will wear. I mean, we're having a food drive and a, and a clothing drive here today and last week just because, I mean, there are people within, this own, with our, within our own city that don't have adequate material provision. And um, Jesus isn't telling us to ignore that either. Throughout his teaching and his ministry, he continually calls us to care and, and to concern for the needs of, of others, especially the marginalized, especially the people who can't care for themselves, for widows, for orphans, and for others who, for whatever reason, can't, can't provide for themselves. And, you know, even, even in the Lord's Prayer, which is a little bit before this, um, we're taught to pray not for my daily bread, but for our daily bread. We're, we're taught to pray for everyone's daily provision. There's a, there's a commentator named Dale Bruner who says that the command here is for us to take our eyes off of ourselves, off of our lives, off of our own selfish anxiety for the things for ourselves, and to look around God's world for a place where we can throw ourselves into the cause of God's poor. And it doesn't take much to look around and see that there's a lot of pain today, pain that's caused by poverty and the lack of basic necessities. And yet, in this, as we look at as we look at our relationship with money, it's it's important to be aware of and also to beware of a legalism that when when we approach wealth, that we're not called to an extreme self denial of material possessions, but we're also not called to accumulate and hoard them. Um, we are called, as Paul remarks in Philippians, to be content in any and every situation, whether well fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And in this section, Jesus also tells us how to live this lifestyle of simplicity. He tells us not to worry. Three times in this passage, he tells us not to be anxious. But he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We are to seek God first. Say that one more time. We are to seek God first. So we're not supposed to worry about our money, our jobs, all of our relationships, all of our junk. We're supposed to seek God. But at the same, as, as much as we're not supposed to do this, it's also not a passive thing. As we look at the birds of the air and, and what he talks about there, the birds, even though they're provided for, they're not idle. Uh, they're doing the faithful work of a bird. And we too are called not to idleness, idleness or, or even to legalistic striving, but to faithful work. We're supposed to steward our money and look for employment and continue being intentional in our relationships and intentional in the way that we live. And yet, all of these things, all of these ways that we work faithfully are secondary to seeking God and his kingdom. So when we worry about these things, about anything, we're enslaved by that thing. 
So what, whether it's a situation or a possession or a relationship or a lack of a relationship, when we worry, we let the thing that we're worrying about dominate and control us. Jesus has told us to seek God and his kingdom above all else. He concludes this section of the Sermon on the Mount with, the call, with a call to focus. He says in verse 34, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. He calls us here to focus on the Father, to focus on seeking God's kingdom today. Tomorrow's a gift. It's a promise. It's, but, but sometimes tomorrow can also be a distraction. If we're living too much in tomorrow, we're not seeking God's kingdom. We're seeking our own security. And, and so Jesus calls us to the freedom of living in simplicity and focusing on one day at a time. In, in his book, Celebration of Discipline, Richard Foster gives us three keys to, to living out a life of, of simplicity, to the, to the inner discipline of what simplicity can look like and, and how that can free us from anxiety. First, he says, we must receive what we have as a gift from God. In other words, we're supposed to give thanks. We're supposed to thank God for what we have. We're supposed to recognize where our gifts come from and, and then respond to that with, with an attitude of gratitude. Sorry, that was not supposed to be like that. <laughs> so, uh, but we are. So, you know, when, when we, when we have this attitude of thankfulness, when we, when we're, when we're in a, in a thankful state of mind, then we're also in a humble state of mind. Uh, there's no room for pride when we are thankful. Uh, gratitude requires humility. And in that, we are free. Uh, and also, as we, as when we come into worship, uh, it's, it's important to look around and see how, how thankfulness permeates the way that we worship. Uh, even just in the way that we pray. A lot of prayers, you know, a lot of times we think of thankfulness as, you know, a, a prayer of thanksgiving is just one type of prayer. And yet, every type of prayer we, we, we do is, in essence, a prayer of thanksgiving. When we, when we pray a prayer of praise, we're always thankful of God's, uh, it's a thankful response for God's grace. When we when we pray a prayer of confession, we are gratefully and thankfully presuming God's acceptance, forgiveness, and reconciliation. When we pray a prayer of intercession, we are thankfully asking for others what we have already received ourselves. When we pray a prayer of petition, we are it's a grateful response to what God has done in the past. There's so many ways that we inadvertently already thank God, and yet we need to move that into our daily life and into the way that we live in the outside world as well. So we are called, first, to be thankful. Second, we have to acknowledge and live into the truth that it is God's business to care for everything we have. We are called to trust God with our possessions, with our reputations, with our families, with our lives, and and to let him worry about those things. When God is in charge of our life, of all of our stuff, all of our junk, then we can take a deep breath and live into his love. We don't have to spend our energy trying to take care of and protect our lives. We can take, we can give that to him and then spend all of our energy seeking him. Um, so we are called to trust God. And third, Richard Foster says, we must make our goods available to others. It's true that when we when we hold loosely to the things that we have and the gifts that we have, we're a lot more we're, we're more able to to give to one another and to receive as well. But one of the main dilemmas with this with this part of the discipline is 
that the majority of us live with an inner focus. And when we live this way, when I live this way, I all I ever have in, in my reserves, all the energy that I ever have, all the stuff that I ever have to give is only as much as I'm capable of producing. And that in and of itself creates a scarcity, a scarcity view of life and a scarcity view of what I've got. So I'm hanging on tightly. It makes me hang on even more tightly to the stuff I have because I need to hold on to it. I need to save it because I don't have enough because it, it's, it's, it's limited to what I can, what I can produce. And in that, I alienate the people around me. I alienate my family, my friends, and even just random acquaintances because I'm, I'm hanging on and I'm, I'm trying to control and secure my future on my own. But, but there's, but there's so much more for us. There's, we're called to something different and, and to a freedom from that and freedom from that anxiety and freedom from that, that grasping at things. We're called to hold things loosely. And Eugene Peterson, who uh, translated the message, wrote a book called Run with the Horses. And in his book, there's a little section here that he talks about um, three little baby chicks, little, little swallows that are on a, on a branch, and, and their parents are kind of teaching them how to fly, kind of. So this is what he says. He says, so they're out on a branch, the three little swallows. And then he says, one of the adult, one adult swallow got alongside the chicks and started shoving them out toward the end of the branch. Pushing, pushing, pushing. The end one fell off. Somewhere between the branch and the water, four feet below, the wings started working and the fledgling was off on its own. Then the second one. The third one, however, was not to be bullied. At the last possible moment, his grip on the branch loosened just enough so that he swung downward and then tightened again, bulldog tenacious. So this little chick is hanging off upside down off the little twig. Uh, says the parent was without sentiment. He pecked at the desperately clinging talons until it was more painful for the poor chick to hang on than to risk the insecurities of flying. The grip was released and the inexperienced wings began pumping. The mature swallow knew what the chick did not, that it would fly, that there was no danger in making it do what it was perfectly designed to do. Birds have feet and can walk. Birds have talons and can grasp a branch securely. They can walk, they can cling. But flying is their characteristic action. And not until they fly are they living at their best, gracefully and beautifully. Giving is what we do best. It is the air into which we were born. It is the action that was designed into us before our birth. Giving is the way the world is. God gives himself. He also gives away everything that is. He makes no exceptions for any of us. We are given away to our families, to our neighbors, to our friends, to our enemies, to the nations. Our life is for others. That is the way creation works. Some of us try desperately to hold on to ourselves, to live for ourselves. We look so bedraggled and pathetic doing it, hanging on to the dead branch of a bank account for dear life, afraid to risk ourselves on the untried wings of giving. We don't think we can live generously because we've never tried. I think that explains, or that, that expresses really well the way that a lot of us work, live and, and the way a lot of us hang on to things. And yet we were created for more. And, and with these three things, with, with practicing thankfulness, trusting God and giving generously, we, that's, that's what Jesus meant when he said, do not be anxious. Um, so as we, as we go into this holiday season, this season of, of Thanksgiving and Christmas and Advent, uh, I encourage you to take the time to reflect to reflect on what this season is all about. Take the time to listen to the Lord and to thank him for the things that he has done and the things that he is doing. 
uh, take the time to reflect on, on how you can trust him. What, what are the things that you're hanging on to and, and how can you give those things to him in new ways and, and trust in him? And, and with that as well, give generously. Uh, practice generosity. Give of yourself. Give of your resources. Give of your time, of your talents. Uh, and, and in that, be blessed. Uh, and above all else, and this is the most important thing, seek God and his kingdom and his righteousness. And so uh, you may have noticed when you came in, there's a couple of stations set up in the back. There's, there's a table over there and a table over there. And up here, there's our, our food and clothing stuff. So um, the worship team is going to come up and start playing for us because they're awesome. And we're going we're gonna to have a, a time for reflection, a time to, to do a little bit of response. And so at each of the tables, in the table over here, we have... Uh, some some markers laid out on the table, some butcher paper, and we would love for you to, in in response, write down some of the things that that you're having trouble giving to God. Some of the anxieties that we have as as a community, as as individuals, you can draw a picture, write it down, whatever you feel like. That's what that station is for. And then over here on the other side, we've got kind of the similar thing. There's markers on the table, but we ask you to to write down or draw a picture, doodle something about the things that you're thankful for. To, to really thank God for, for what he is doing, what he has done, the blessings that we have. And if you've brought something for the food or clothing drive, please come on up and, and put it down. But as you, as you set it down, say a little prayer for the people who will receive it. And, um, you know, if this is a time that you need to, for yourself to spend a little time in prayer, then I encourage you to stay in your seat and, and spend some time in prayer.